Let's face it, doing ministry in the Northeast is hard. We hear you. You're in a unique place, full of diverse people. It's even harder to cut through the noise here. It's time to bring the leadership conversation closer to home. This is the Collide Leadership Podcast. Welcome back to the Collide Leadership Podcast. I'm so glad you've tuned in today because we're going to have a conversation which I think is is about such a critical leadership issue for all of us today. How can we value unity of heart over unity of opinion? But before we get there, let me introduce you to our special guest today. I have the great pleasure of being joined in the Collide studio today by Pastor Kelvin Walker. Uh, Kelvin is the district superintendent of the Metro District of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Uh, The Christian and Missionary Alliance is a denomination of churches who've committed to be, in their own words, an Acts 1-8 family who brings the whole gospel to the whole world. Kelvin has been in pastoral ministry for over 30 years. He's pastored churches in Pennsylvania, Virginia, New Jersey, and in New York. He's an adjunct professor at the Alliance Theological Seminary in New York and is happily married with six wonderful children. Did I hit it all, Pastor Kelvin? Yes, you did. (laughs) Oh, you forgot my... uh three uh, in-laws, my two daughters-in-law and my son-in-law. Awesome. So you have a very full and blessed life. Yes. (laughs) Well, you know, at at Collide, we really value the power of story. So one of the questions I try and ask each one of our guests is just, would you share a little bit of your own story with us? Specifically, how did you find a relationship with Christ? And maybe what are one or two things that God's been teaching you recently? Okay. Well, I grew up in a pastor's home, so Mm. I have sort of this, that typical story of growing up in a Christian home and knowing of Jesus Mm. all my life. But it wasn't until my junior year in high school, uh, I'd come to a place where everything on the outside looked great, but Mm. inside I was really empty. And to the point of, I don't know if I would have ever done it, but I contemplated suicide. Wow. And uh, a Sunday school superintendent took me out for coffee and she sat with me and said, Kelvin, you know why you're empty and you know who you need. And wow. so the light bulb went on that night and uh, came to faith in Christ um, or gave my life to Christ, if I, if I can use that, that that terminology, that that evening. Yeah. Um, and that was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the thing I would say is on this journey, what I have learned and what I've appreciated uh, is that the Lord has taught me it is a journey. Mm-hmm. Um, just when I think I've arrived in my walk with Jesus, uh, there's another piece to the journey where mm. Jesus says, hey, let me take you deeper. Let me take you further. Mm. Uh, the second thing I would say is uh, we focus so much on getting things right that we can lose sight of the relationship. Mm. And the the beauty of all of it is growing in the relationship with Jesus and yeah. allowing his spirit to really teach us on the things where he's saying, hey, let me put my finger on that right now mm. and watching him do what only he can do in order to bring about transformation in our, in our lives. 
That's rich. I appreciate that. And a listener, I, I, we've had opportunities to have a lot of different guests on, and I'm always encouraged when I hear a story, uh, Kelvin, of someone who's grown up in the church, but come, as you said, the light came on, right? That light bulb moment. And, and ministry leaders, you might have a family in your church. Maybe the, the parents are connected and serving in every possible way, and their kids have grown up in your church, and you know them, and they've been in every pageant but they've yet to make that connection of taking what they know and making it what they believe. And there is a difference, I mm-hmm. think. I think there are some in our churches, leaders who know the story of Jesus, but have not really believed in the power and message of Jesus. And so that's just an encouragement, how, how you noted right there, just the Sunday school superintendent saying, you know what, Calvin, it's time to get some coffee. It's time mm-hmm. for us to have a little conversation because you know it, but do you believe it? That's just a great and powerful encouragement to you, ministry leader. It doesn't always take that, you know, gang member off the edge of the street who's, you know, uh, almost lo- losing their life and is almost ready to go, you know, to jail. It, that, that That's a one win, yeah. But so is the story of the kid who's grown up in the church finally realizing that Jesus died for them. That's really cool. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. Well, what we want to talk a little bit about today is unity, but uh, unity of a certain kind. In the last few years, I think everyone can agree that our society has become increasingly partisan. Whether it's culture or politics or religion, everyone seems to be up in arms about some kind of issue. And then there's the rhetoric, the vitriol, the really the violence of both word and action that's becoming increasingly pervasive, and so much so that it even seems at times to seep into the church. It divides churches into warring camps, and my fear is that we've confused unity of opinion for unity of heart. Mm. So as someone on the front lines of both ministry and ministry leadership, how have you seen divisiveness trying to take root in the church? One of the places, and you, you, sort, of, you, you sort of alluded to this, is we have become a place that uh, marries, if you will, uh, the gospel and politics. Mm. And so uh, we divide over issues that are political and try and make them the core of the gospel. Mm. And so it, it it takes the church and the church does, uh, you know, one, one camp this way, one camp this way, and you can't really be a believer because you're, you think this politically, or you can't really be a believer because you think this politically, rather than saying, mm. okay, what is the spirit saying? What, where, where are we moving in the kingdom? Mm. And and then how does that allow us to move forward together? Mm. So um, that's that's been a struggle, I think, for for the church. Yeah, and that's I appreciate that. You know, there's a lot of conversations, and I can have conversations. You know, it's interesting. You can have a conversation with anybody in the church about politics, and, and of course, the question becomes, well, will it be a good conversation? That's that's maybe a topic for another day. But how interesting that people maybe are more interested in talking about politics than they are the heart of the gospel, right? You know, and that's I think a great evidence to what you're talking about is that people are actually more excited to, or more excitable about things like politics and public opinion than they are about the life-changing message of Jesus Christ, right? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and that's a great moment. That's a great w- reminder to us. And listeners, I think you're probably shaking your head. You've been there too, but we need to we need to call that out, I think. Yeah. We need to just give voice to it. I think there's a great passage of scripture that, that to me has carries a powerful implication to a topic like this. It, it's John 17. And um, I want to read a couple verses to you. And maybe we can just talk a little bit about that. In the text, Jesus is praying not only for his disciples, 
but for us as well. And so I really appreciate this. It's kind of one of those key places where we don't have to do hermeneutic Olympics to actually see that there is an application for us. He says, I do not ask for these only, but those who are going to believe in me through the word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. So obviously in this prayer, I think unity is one of the things that Jesus is talking about, but we need to be sure that we're talking about the right type of unity here. You've already mentioned it. What are though some of the dangers that come if we confuse being unified around opinions, be them political or cultural, or even what color the carpet is in the church? What, what happens when we confuse what type of unity Jesus is talking about there? Yeah. We, we then take uh, our definition of unity and what we're really call what we're really saying is uniformity, mm. and that's not what Jesus was saying here. Mm. He's not saying that they be uniform, but that they have unity in their heart, in their mm. in their purpose, in in what they move forward with. And I think that's that's part of the problem. If mm. we we get this idea that that if we are unified, then that means we are uniform. Mm. Well, we live, we're all created, you know, as individuals. God has, we all have the image of the creator stamped on us, but he has given us uh, unique giftings and unique callings. And and so when you have a unique gifting and unique calling, that means you might think differently than the person who is next to you. And so as you talk through these things, it is going to look different. It's Mm going to sound different. But what what Jesus is calling for is we have a a unity in heart and in purpose Mm. moving forward in advancing his kingdom. Mm. Um, You're reading the the John 17 passage. There's another another, uh, verse that I continually come back to. And uh, I, you know, I'm CNMA, and it's part of CNMA's uh, uh, message is uh, Matthew 24, 14. Hmm. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to the whole world as yeah. a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. It, Jesus makes it very clear. I've come to establish my kingdom. Yeah. What I'm asking you to be unified in is is advancing my kingdom, preaching the message of the kingdom. Uh, that doesn't mean that um, as individuals you won't have different ideas. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't mean that you won't have uh, different ways in which you flesh those things out. Mm. But that that you know we have to do if we have to flesh these things out exactly the same way. That's uniformity, and that's not what Jesus is asking us for. Mm. He's saying be be unified in purpose, be unified in heart, be unified in spirit in seeing the message of the gospel advanced. Mm-hmm. That's that's what he's calling for. And then as others watch and as others see, they they get to understand, oh wow, there's there's a love <laughs> that binds them together. They look different, they even in some ways think different, but there's a love that binds them together because their purpose is about the kingdom. Well, you know, that's and thank you for that. That's powerful. 
And as I was listening to you, it, it challenged me. I think we get it wrong sometimes when we share to an unbelieving culture that the best way for you to understand what Christianity is to create a uniform outside. When Christ calls us to have a uniform inside, doesn't yes. he? Right? People's souls hurt. And they're not looking for a change of wardrobe or a change of, uh, of wording or a change, uh, a change of scenery. They're looking for a change of heart. And I think that's the point when we confuse, I think that's what you're trying to say. When we confuse uniform hearts for uniform outward appearances, mm-hmm. then we've, we've, can we even go far as to say we've committed the same challenge that the Pharisees committed? Yeah. They said, you can't be connected to God unless you have a uniform appearance, and that appearance is the one that we control. Mm-hmm. And even Jesus said, "That's I'm not buying that. Right. Because if, you t- if the appearance drives our theology, he says, then if the law drives who God is, then we've missed the heart of the law. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a great word. And... So this is great to talk about, but we've all been, um, especially if we're ministry leaders, we've all been part of a church that said, that's great, but you can't touch this, or that's great, but you can't say that. So we have this real battle, I think, as ministry leaders, which is we begin to understand we need unity around uh, heart or unity around belief, but not so much uniformity around what we look like on the outside. And yet we lead churches who struggle with that very, very much. So the question, I think, for us really is what is the difference between opinion and being led by the Spirit. How can we begin to help our congregations understand, and you use the phrase, a unity of spirit. Where does the Holy Spirit come into helping us lead our churches through the challenges of what I see is the most important? Mm Because we can't see our souls and we can't see the kingdom. I was talking with a friend just recently, uh, and we were talking about Hebrews, right? Come out of a crumbling city, because that's where Christ is. The kingdom is still further, so it's not here yet. So we kind of live in the tension of this in-between. The old culture's falling away, the new culture's coming, but you got to have a foot in both. And I think it's the spirit that helps us there. How do we help Mm -hmm. our congregations grab that? I think if I could just jump in on the, you know, the kingdom is not yet at the same time, the kingdom is now. Yeah. And I think that's that's part of the the tension. We we come to a place where we have to be in one or the other camp. Either you believe the kingdom is not yet, and so all the things of the kingdom are for the future, or you believe that the fullness of the kingdom is now, and so that all the things in the future are even here now. Mm. And rather than saying this now and not yet tension mm-hmm. is something that we live in, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Um, but but notice the words that the, no, the word that's consistent is kingdom. Mm. So coming to a place where we're spending time in God's presence, mm-hmm. uh, asking for the leading and the, and the uh, direction of His Holy Spirit, and and asking this question: What are the marks of the kingdom? Mm-hmm. that you're calling us to see in this present day in which we live yeah. that can inform us and if I and unify us in what the mission is that you've called us to. Mm-hmm. Um, when we lose sight of that, when we lose focus on that, then we do get tied up in, you know, we must all agree on the color of the carpet or we must all agree on mm-hmm. the the laying out of the chairs or if we should even have chairs, maybe mm-hmm. we need pews, you know, or on, or on the style of preaching or even the style of worship and all those kinds. We get so caught up in that mm. 
And then we lose sight of what are the marks of the kingdom in this place that God has called us to lead? Yeah. You know, are we seeing transformation of the soul? Are we seeing people come to faith? Are we seeing people growing in 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 their testimony and in their discipleship? Those those things uh, we lose sight of when we lose sight of the kingdom. Mm. You know, something I, I appreciate you said too, and it just got me thinking. If the kingdom has um, a whole ethic around it, this kingdom has certain things that God is going to do, and yet, it, it, so it's it's in the future, but it's here now. It might just be that in different times, in different seasons, different aspects of the kingdom become more important. Because if we're living in a culture, right, uh, and that is crumbling away but still exists, and that culture over time changes, you know, we're not facing the same battles we faced 50 years ago, then it may be that, that different aspects of the kingdom need to be more important now than, than they were 50 years ago, right? And I think maybe that's one of it's just as I'm listening to you, maybe that's one of the challenges and one of the tensions for us as ministry leaders that we need to be in tune with the Spirit, asking the question, what aspect of the kingdom is most important? Because frankly, mm-hmm. if we're talking about the kingdom of heaven, everything's important. Mm-hmm. But the, if everything were here, well, then the kingdom would be here. Mm-hmm. And so it might be that God brings us to seasons where certain aspects of the kingdom are more relevant or more essential for this moment in time. Mm-hmm. And so I love your point. As ministry leaders, and ministry leader, you're given, we're giving you our permission, not that you needed it, but to spend time listening for the Spirit. Yes. Because it's so important for us to understand that. Because even in this place, I, of course, I have uh, I have passions. I, I get passionate about a topic, or uh, you know, pews versus chairs, or Democrat versus Republican, or this candidate versus that candidate, or this topic versus that topic. And one of the unique challenges about being ministry leaders is that we don't get to leave our burdens and, and our and our weaknesses and our humanness on the side when we go to work. We bring that with us. Mm-hmm. And so, ministry leader, you've got to work extra hard at pushing through your own desires to get to the kingdom because we're the leaders and we could easily have a bully pulpit. We could easily say, my topic is the topic because it's my topic. But I don't think that's biblical. God doesn't call us to bring our opinions to the church. He calls us to lead his people to bring his kingdom. Absolutely. And so, I mean, that's just a good word that you had there, brother. I really appreciated that. You had asked about, um, you know, where does the if I could maybe rephrase it a yeah. bit, where does the Holy Spirit come yeah. into play yeah. here? I think Paul makes it very clear in Galatians 5, you know, we're to walk in the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Now, we simply look at it and go walk in the Spirit so you don't fulfill the desires of the flesh. Mm-hmm. But I think Paul's also saying here, you know, walk in the Spirit because it's the Spirit who's going to lead you and guide you, mm-hmm. produce the fruit that only the Spirit produces, mm. and also uh, will bring that place of unity mm-hmm. that Jesus prayed about. Mm. Yeah, that's a good word. Sorry, I'm just processing here, uh, listeners, as you're hearing me. It's just, this is rich. This is close to my heart. I, I feel like we need to display unity for the for the world that we live in that is so fractured. And if we don't get this right, then... It doesn't matter for writing a lot of other issues mm-hmm. because people are going to write us off. 
So, Calvin, what do we do? What are some, you've been in ministry, number of churches, and now you have the privilege of kind of overseeing uh, a body of churches and just kind of helping bring leadership to that. So in your experience, what are some of the warning signs that ministry leaders should look for in their congregations that might show that their community is heading down a road towards division and, and that maybe is not pleasing to the Lord? Well, one of the warning signs that um, that I notice is when you see the leadership um, not on the same page, mm. and you, as a as a congregation is following the uh, the the pastor, the staff, the board, mm-hmm. um, they're getting differing messages, mm. uh, differing opinions that that arise. Um, one of the things that has been always a a guide for me in working with with boards and staff is being able to say, hey, look, we 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 think differently. We are from different backgrounds. Uh, we may even have differing ways of how we go about something, uh, but we want to spend time together talking these things through, listening for the voice of God, mm. coming to a place of unity here that gives us the ability to speak from a place of unity out there. Mm. And so it's not leaving the boardroom hiding anything, mm-hmm. but it is leaving the boardroom saying, even in our differing viewpoints, this is the central thing that we believe God is saying. And so that message is the message that we carry out there. Mm, that's a good um, one. If, we, if, we're, if you're seeing four or five different messages being carried out by your leadership, that's one of the signs. Mm. And, you know, I think one of the mistakes I've seen many young leaders make by accident, but is they believe that it's their job to bring a vision and to get everybody to be convinced of their vision to move the forward, mm-hmm. to move the church forward, right? Where where I, I hear you saying something very different, and I completely agree with you, which a leader's job is to bring voice to the vision, but it's unity around a vision, not uniformity around their right. vision, which is what you've already said. Mm-hmm. And so, you know... Ministry leader, you might be frustrated because your organization, your church is not moving at the pace that you want it to move at. And I, and I can feel that pain as a practitioner. I, I understand your pain in that because you want to move your, for, your church forward. You, you have a heart, you have a passion, but unity will push you for, further so much more often than uniformity mm-hmm. and, and saying, you know, it's my way or the highway costs something that I don't know if you really want to give up in the long run. Yeah. And and I love that word. So yeah, spend time with your leadership team. If it's your board, it, it maybe maybe you're listening and you're not uh, the lead pastor, you're not the, the CEO of your organization. Maybe it could be your core volunteer leaders. I mean, just spend time unifying around what you believe God is saying. Because here's the, here's the thing. If God wants his vision to be given, he's not just going to give it to one person. Right. Right. God's going to give that to multiple people. And there's going to be voice and people saying yes. And when you get that collective yes, that can be really empowering. It will be confirmed. Mm-hmm. So what are some things that you would suggest ministry leaders can do to practically begin to restore unity that maybe is lost within a church? One of the I'll use this I'll use these words it's not exactly you know you may not want to use this but uh start having some town hall meetings. Yeah. Where where you're putting out there for everyone. Hey, listen, as we have been thinking and praying and processing as a, as a board or as a staff or as a leadership team, 
here are the things we believe God is saying. Mm-hmm. Um, here are here are the clear pieces that we've gotten. Uh, so let's talk about it as a group mm-hmm. and let's process it as a group. Um, just for an example, um, I I'm new in the, in the position that I have now. Uh, we have made a clear shift in the vision and mission for where we're headed. Um, and one of the ways that we got this out there is we started having vision gatherings mm. throughout throughout our district so people could hear, see, know, and understand why we're moving in the direction that we're moving. Mm. Uh, they get a chance to hear and know that it wasn't, a dis- you know, these aren't decisions that were made in a vacuum, mm. uh, that there was uh, counsel that was sought um, and then it gives an opportunity for people to speak into it, but also for people to buy into it. Mm. You know, often we we do things and we then all of a sudden enact them yeah. without saying anything to anyone. Yeah. And people are like, wait, wait, where did that come from? Now, they, people may be on board, but we don't get the onboard response we're looking for because we just move mm. without communicating. Yeah. That's good. So communication is very key. Yeah, that's true. Because when we talk about things that people are passionate about and we talk about change, which are two things that go into this, we have to recognize that people need, they need a, a runway to, yes. to experience that. And uh, you know, one leader in my life years ago told it to me so well, and I didn't like it because it's true, but it's still frustrating. He said, as the leader, you're sprinting. Your, your leaders that are helping you are jogging, but your people are walking. Mm-hmm. You're always going to be way ahead of your people, but you've got to make sure that they have enough time to adjust because you've had just as much. You just got it before they did. Yeah. And that's just a great reminder. A leader for me uh, said something similar. He said, uh, it is a marathon. Marathon, it's not a sprint, mm. but uh, you do have to be a bit of a sprinter in order to see down the road, mm. but then come back and run the marathon with others. Ooh, that's good too. Well, Calvin, thank you so much for joining us today. This, I think, topic is, is crucial for the church because Jesus prayed and called us to be unified. And in our unity, I believe we display the power of the gospel at work. Mm. So friends, wherever you are, I pray that God would speak to you right now about the importance of being unified as Christ's followers. If you'd like to connect with Calvin and the work that he and the churches that he's helped leading are doing, you can check out their webpage at metrocma.org. Be sure to join us in our next podcast as Kelvin and I will continue this essential conversation about unity. We'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us. The Glide Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Rethink Creative, a brand strategy and design studio for churches, ministries, and nonprofits. Take your organization to the next level through branding, web design, and video. Check them out at rethinkcreative.com.